Hi, everyone. This is Headcase Podcast. I'm here with Bob Hall. He is one of my best friend's dads, and he wrote a book called Unintended Consequences, and I'm just going to let you describe what this book is about. Great. Well, nice to be here, Steph. Thank you. Uh, So uh, I turned 60 in October and set out to write a book. Uh, because my dad died when I was eight years old and, uh, oddly or ironically or whatever word you might want to choose that that really has been a positive event in my life that, Mm -hmm. uh, I always had this absence of a father and it, it really gave me, uh, a standard to live up to. So what made you want to write a book about that? Uh, well, uh, you know, turning 60 is sort of a seminal event. (laughs) So I thought, uh, uh, and I had a party and I thought, wow, that'd be a cool party favor to go, uh, and and, distribute as people were leaving. And then I started thinking about my life and, you know, what might be of interest and, uh, fairly unique, uh, losing a father that young. And, you know, I've had a very fulfilled life and been able to do lots of things. And I think uh, that the app, my father, who was very successful at a young age, who was a great father, really dynamic guy, died of pancreatic cancer in a couple of weeks, really wow. quick, uh, that he just had that high standard for me to aspire to. And that yeah. was always a significant thing in my life. So what I've done is I think there are 26 vignettes mm-hmm. uh, in the book that uh, uh, are hopefully examples of things that, uh, uh, you know, just talking about the absence of my father and really how that's been a, a positive thing in my life. So what are some examples of from childhood that you could give that made it positive for you? Because I'm sure initially it's completely shocking and yeah yeah no hey no question that uh and when i was eight years old it was hard to fathom at all that's mm-hmm. for sure uh but uh you know over time that uh kind of got used to things and my mother did an incredible job that yeah. she uh played both roles in many ways uh, and i have a terrific sister who was a great partner in the whole thing and uh, what I would say, you know, one example might be is there are many uh, of my dad's friends really pre- played great fatherhood roles in mm-hmm. many different ways. So, you know, in some I really was blessed to have, you know, eight fathers, 10 fathers, something like that, who, you know, it was everything from. Uh, playing hockey with them to being a water boy at Harvard football games uh, to learning about the stock market that I got a lot of exposure in different things. Yeah. And and that really was a positive thing. Yeah. Kind of opened up different points of view. Yep. Yep. For you. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, uh, I have a very close group of friends that I've had since grade school uh, they would, and they're a bunch of knuckleheads that they would never, uh, you know, kind of intuitively realize that they were playing a role in raising me. But in, in a way they really did. We were Mm -hmm. such a close knit group. We had high standards. Uh, no one could get away with anything. You know, no one was too cool. No one was too successful. It was all a very level playing field. It still is today. And, you know, ironically, 
that this group of uh, guys that they served in in raising me too. Kind of kind of yeah. weird, but I, I think there's something to it. That's really interesting. So in in your experience, um, you know, you you're around women all the time. You don't have yeah. this male figure except for you know your parents, friends, yes. and mm-hmm. and family friends. But what what kind of instances were you faced with, you know, becoming a man that you really had to turn to your mom for? That was almost, yeah. I'm sure there had to be awkward moments where you're. Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly in the, the book, I think even in the second chapter mm-hmm. that uh, I was on the little league all-star team that uh, somebody took pity on me to put me on the team <laughs> and uh, we'd actually had some postseason success and if we won this last game that we would go to the state tournament and little league you have six innings not nine and so it was the bottom of the six and I think <laughs> there were two men on base and I came to bat and uh, you know the crowd was uh, urging me on and I swung at a couple pitches and uh, the last pitch came in, and I thought it was a ball, and it was called a strike, and that was it. It was over, wow. and that was a, uh, you know, you'd love to say, oh, I had the walk-off home run, yeah. and everybody was there at the plate to greet me. But, you know, I think some of those kind of tough experiences, uh, you know, have a greater role in your life. You know, it's the the, the losses, not the victories in right. a lot of way that really make you so – you know, that might be one example. Uh, but, you know, interestingly, you know, kids, I think, are resilient. They look for the positive things and don't really dwell on the negative things. So I really had to kind of think about what, uh, you know, might have been a tough experience like this baseball thing, although that's a bit indelible in my mind, but. Uh, uh, that I, I think it's the, the, the negative experiences there yeah. that really make you the man. So it wasn't so much, you know, whether there were women or men around, it was just the experience. Right. Absolutely. And do you think that because your dad wasn't present for those pivotal years that you almost worked harder to kind of make him proud in some way? Uh, I think there were elements of that. Mm-hmm. I was not a straight A student. I could get in trouble with the best of them. Yeah. Uh, but I always kind of inherently knew that my mom had a tough job being a single parent mm-hmm. and that I didn't want to <laughs> mess with her too much that it, uh, you know, I wanted to be supportive. So yeah. I think that, that kind of set a standard. Uh, when I went to college that, uh, I thought food was beer and, you know, I had a great (laughs) fraternity life. And I think maybe when I started working that that's when I really put my head down and perhaps then, you know, kind of aspired to some of my father's corporate success. So, uh, I think it came a little later in life, but Mm -hmm. it was always present in subtle ways, but I was not an Eagle Boy Scout type, but, uh, I had a pretty normal up and down teenage life. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, so how would you say that it's, it's affected you as a parent? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, You know, in some ways, I think perhaps it's really helped that, you know, I've had a completely clean slate, not Mm -hmm. really having had a father figure since I was eight years old. So, you know, you think about it, 
that, you know, you have some really dogmatic, tough father that, yeah. you know, really is is hard to be around. And, you know, if he says breakfast is at seven o'clock, you know, that 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 son or daughter's there at seven o'clock. Right. You know, I didn't have that. I didn't have the loosey goosey, you know, uh, parents off on the cocktail party circuit, right. <laughs> never around, dad playing golf all the time and not really present. So uh, in ways, I think it almost made it easier that I could sort of set the standard rather than setting the standard against what my father right. was like and whether that was, you know, the good aspects or the bad aspects. Yeah. So kind of unique that I'm ducking your question in a way, but, but uh, no, it's true. It's yeah. definitely mm-hmm. unique. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what was it like in, you know, you're married to Joni, lovely yes. Joni. What was that like kind of that dynamic of, you know, getting married and you have this part of your life missing and even though it's always going to affect you in some way, but she comes from a family with, you know, a full family, that yes. kind of thing. Yes. Um, I would say, you know, I have somewhat of a similar answer on marriage to fatherhood, you mm-hmm. know, not, you know, closely observing yeah. a marriage. Uh, and again, you know, there's so many tough marriages out there that, you know, you can people kind of work around those issues, that sort yeah. of thing. So. You know, I, I kind of was all in and, you know, very optimistic about our marriage. We've had, we just celebrated our 30th anniversary that uh, uh, we, we really had a great time <laughs> together. Um, so, uh, you know, in ways, uh, again, that that clean slate, you know, just going about it the way that I saw fit rather than, you know, a, a marriage, you know, the positive or negative aspects of a marriage. So. I, I think that's that's been a good thing. Now, my mom did remarry. Uh, my dad died when I was eight, and my mom remarried when I was 17 mm-hmm. to a terrific guy, and they really had a great marriage. So that did give me a little bit of a standard. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that clean slate thing is, is, is meaningful. Yeah, that's very interesting because mm-hmm. I feel like you can go one of two ways when you lose a parent. You can sort of – be angry and completely lost and not know how to put the pieces together or you can just you know throw yourself into life and then really find yourself yeah you know i think you're exactly right and there's good examples of people and you know during my teenage years somebody could have said oh he's going the wrong way you know type (laughs) you can say that about everyone (laughs) yes yeah we all have our moments but uh you know, I, I think that's true. And at some point, because, you know, you can kind of wallow in the pity that you mm-hmm. have an excuse. Right. And uh, I think it was really, uh, I wouldn't say it was a conscious decision. Boy, I'm going to show everyone yeah. that, you know, I can do this. It was, you know, perhaps a little bit of what my father represented, you know, my mom being very supportive and keeping sort of that vision alive. Uh, friends of the family, you know, filling those gaps. And as I say, even my, uh, my but you know, having a close group uh, of friends that, you know, that kind of kept the standard high. So I, I wouldn't say it was just one, uh, you know, that I, that there was a, a minister or a psychologist. It, right. it was just a smattering of these small things that yeah. really were helpful. So would you say that your book is intended almost for I mean aside from the people who know you but mm-hmm. if someone else if a stranger's reading this yeah. and they're gonna 
do you think it's angled more for a parent who lost their significant other or for the child who lost their parent? Yeah, well, I think a little of both that, you know, I mean, my mom at 30, was she 38, 37, something like that, you know, two, you know, an seven and an eight year old that that, you know, can be sort of a hopeless scenario. Mm -hmm. And I'm hopeful that that person could pick up this book and say, wow, you know, if we can get through the next year and kind of get through the the emotional bumps and bruises, that there's something to be hopeful about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it may not, it's not really written for an eight-year-old, but but certainly a 15-year-old that uh, uh, I'm hopeful that they could read it as well. And uh, that could be helpful to them. So, uh, you know, in fact, I just, I have a a buddy who lost his wife tragically in a golf cart accident of all things. And his kids are a little older, two kids in college, one who just graduated, but I sent, I sent him the book that it, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, I just think it, I hope, you know, it represents some hope and that people can take comfort in that. And you and your sister are very close in age. So we, you must have sort of, filled in a lot of roles for her too in a way being the well, male figure uh i'd like to tell you i was the model brother yeah. and you know very conscious of that and interestingly my sister really didn't emote very much during mm-hmm. all this that she held it in and you know kind of dealt with it in her own way at all of seven years old yeah uh and you know we uh uh, are probably closer today than we were then. My mom, our mom is ailing. So, you know, that's been a joint effort right. working on that. And uh, so, uh, you know, we definitely have been supportive of each other without being conscious of it. Right. Interesting. So what's your favorite part about the book that you kind of... Um, I would say, you know, certainly, uh, being able to make a tribute to my mom, uh, and perhaps that's part of the reason that I wrote the book that she's 87 and she's hanging in there, but you know, she's not going to make it another 20 years. So, uh, so that was really nice to be able to do that. Uh, and then some of my father's friends that were so great, I definitely sent the book to all of them that were so helpful to me. And to my buddies. So I I think it was fun to uh, just be able to acknowledge the people that were so helpful. Yeah, and kind of say you did a good job. And Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, hopefully that. uh, But, you know, really to thank them. Right. Yeah. So growing up, did did your mom talk about your dad a lot? And was it kind of kept? Was this? His yeah, memory kept I would alive in say, that way. Uh, you know, I grew up in a good uh, Protestant family mm-hmm. that uh, not a ton of emoting. Uh, but having said that, uh, uh, my mom definitely kept his vision alive and still talks about it. You know, that they have not been married for, wow, almost uh, 50 years. Wow. At, uh, uh, and yet, you know, she still refers to him that, uh, uh, and so she definitely kept that vision alive, you know, to her credit, you know, when I did something wrong, she did, she was not, your father would have been very upset with you. Never that, that, you know, lived (laughs) in the moment that way. 
So, uh, or, you know, I brought home a, uh, a D plus on a test, you know, your father would be very upset. Not nothing like that. Just more of a conceptual, you know, vision of somebody who did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, good things happen to good people. Uh, you know, somebody who had a lot of friends, you know, just kind of making those general concepts, yeah. uh, uh, you know, just keeping that, all that alive, I right. would say. So growing up in a Protestant family, yes, you go, you, no one really talks about, you know, mental health and all of that. So when you do suffer a loss, I'm sure it's handled differently than it would be today when yeah. you have like therapy and things like that. So what, what kind of things did you personally get to yeah i I would say very you know between the combination of it being the late 60s uh and you know again again being good protestants you know that uh uh, we're gonna we're gonna take the hill you know we'll overcome this uh that there was not a lot you know i think i uh, there was a minister, you know, I'd talk to once in a while, but I don't remember he yeah. playing a big role in my life. So I, I'd say it was really, you know, kind of more through my mom, through keeping this vision uh, alive, through my uh, my dad's friends, you know, doing the same. So it, uh, uh, you know, and we, we definitely, uh, I still have a, a strong faith. I think that mm-hmm. helped a lot. Uh, definitely, you know, we probably made more of an effort to go to church for those first five years afterwards, right. that sort of thing. And, uh, I've fallen off a bit, but, you know, <laughs> continue to occasionally. And, uh, so, you know, maybe a bit of vision, a bit of faith and, uh, you know, a bit of gumption that, you know, and not wallowing in, oh gosh, woe is me, this has happened. In fact, I remember that if I'd hear about another person who had lost a parent, I'd always feel terrible. And I'm like, wait a minute, that happened to me, but I'd still feel terrible about it. So So in in writing this book, how how were you able to pull these scenarios back and these memories like did you have to you know talk to your sister and have these conversations because it's hard to remember these yeah yeah pivotal moments yeah you're right that it uh uh so uh we have a fishing camp in montana that's 18 miles down a dirt road and uh, I have this office that's essentially a shack that does have a Wi-Fi connection and it does have electricity. And, uh, you know, I would wake up in the morning and I must admit, I'd go through my emails, I'd go work out. It took me a while to yeah. sit down in front of that computer screen. You know, it could be a little daunting. But once I finally got myself in the position to do it, right. I could write a chapter and. 10 minutes. It would come very quickly. So, you know, things really flowed back and whether I was thinking about, uh, so my, my dad died, we lived in Boston and we had just moved there really a year and a half previously, uh, from Chicago where I was born and where my dad grew up and where my mom and dad met. 
And but, you know, we have some of our closest friends from Boston because we had such a, you know, a traumatic yeah. time in our lives. So, you know, I could think about Boston and compartmentalize about that. Uh, we had a running list on our refrigerator whether we should move back to Chicago or stay in Boston. It was really a difficult decision, but we we did move back to Chicago so I could kind of think about grade school or high school yeah. and then about college and then about working and then really the roles people played in my life, whether the obvious things like my sister, my mother, my stepfather really did play a big role in my life, but a different role than a father would. Yeah. That, and he never assumed that he was playing a father right. role, which I really give him credit for. Uh, and, you know, I have step siblings uh, who I'm very close to. So then I could start thinking about people and writing about them. Yeah. And then, you know, there were a few events like uh, uh, baseball or some college things or, uh, you know, kind of around working. So it, it just kind of all came together. And I wouldn't say that the the chapters are really in any great order. It was mm -hmm. just sort of as it came to me and I left them that way. Yeah. So do you did you want to kind of give your kids... In outlook, I mean, I'm sure they've read this. Mm -hmm. I hope Franny has read it. <laughs> Franny has read it. Yeah, um, Henry, I don't know. No, <laughs> Henry, maybe not. I'm kidding. Um, but did you want to give them sort of? It's almost like a guide to yeah how to cope in a bad situation, mm -hmm. but also kind of it's such a cool way to be like, okay, this is my dad. This is how he grew yeah. up, and these are the things he did to become the person he is and like the great dad he is. So it's almost like a guideline for yeah, Stepper yeah. and uh, Henry to follow. Yeah. So it is a little bit of a playbook and that was a, certainly one of the unintended yeah. consequences yeah. that, uh, uh, and Hey, I'm hopeful that, you know, their kids and their kids, kids, you know, can read it. Right. Uh, I do have a chapter on, uh, family history in there, which is really kind of part of the makeup of my dad that uh, uh, our family has been around uh, Annapolis, Maryland since the late 1600s, wow. which seems kind of crazy. Uh, but I think but that has something to do with uh, the makeup of, of my dad and probably me and probably uh, Franny Stepper and Henry. So uh, yeah, there's definitely that playbook element, but I hope I'm not too preachy. I just really wanted to to be through example. Yeah, not, you know, you should do this. Right. It's it, definitely uh, kind of just opening a door into yeah. Mm -hmm. a, I think something that's something you've experienced. Yeah. 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 So, what would you say was, you know, the, the uh, one of the most pivotal moments that you've gone through that you. I mean, aside from there's very obvious things, I guess, that you wish you could share mm -hmm. with your dad. But I'm, as I'm sure he's watching over anyway. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, having kids and getting married. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I would say, you know, definitely, you know, getting married, you know, having kids, no question, like you say. Uh you know, I think he would be proud of, you know, my my working career. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, David Brooks has come out with this new book. Uh, I forget the title. Uh, it's sitting on my nightstand. <laughs> and uh, and I've gotten through about half of it. But his concept to lead a full life, you really need to climb two mountains. And the first mountain, you know, might be providing for your family, having corporate success, that sort of thing. 
Uh, and then the second mountain really being giving back and, you know, philanthropically, what are you doing? And so I feel like I'm on that second mountain now and, you know, maybe a third of the way up, halfway up, something like that, and have had uh, uh, some real great uh, philanthropic things that I've been involved with that have really been fulfilling. Yeah. And, you know, what I've noticed is initially I got involved in some things and, uh, you know, I kind of have one foot in the boat, one foot out. Yeah. And, you know, I was trying to do a bunch of things. And now I can compartmentalize my life much more easily so I can really get focused on some of these things. And, you know, it's amazing when you put your head down, you believe in something. Uh, and, you know, primarily, uh, you know, a lot of it's spreading the word. Right. And, you know, it comes down to raising money often. And. But I think I've had some success in being able to do that because I've really believed in the cause, you know, that uh, that our family has been able to contribute to the cause. And it's uh, been easy for me to ask people for the cause. So I uh, have really had some uh, good success on a, a couple endeavors there. And I think he'd be proud of that. Yeah. So do you, would you say you go to Joni a lot now for your when you're feeling some type of way or, yeah. you know, you, you go through something really difficult. Do you, do you, instead of, you know, kind of keeping it inside, would you say you lean on? Yeah, I, uh, well, so for 30 years, I worked for wall street firms and probably worked 50 to 60 hours a right. week. I was really grinding, you know, uh, lots of, business dinners on a lot of planes. And, you know, I certainly uh, would work hard at being a good father, but it was on the weekends mm. or, you know, getting home at night. You know, I try to get home for uh, some family dinners, but there, it, there was a lot of outside pressure. Yeah. You know, now uh, uh, our, uh, my, my office in New York is our living room <laughs> and uh, it's also Joni's office. Yeah. So we see plenty of each other. And, uh, you know, we're, we're working on different things. Yeah. Uh, but it is great. She's a terrific sounding board and, uh, she's also good with grammar. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> she, she does. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, she's definitely a good sounding board. And, you know, when you're working in a career where you're really grinding, you know, your life or your business life controls you. Yeah. Now, you know, I spend uh, about a third of my time managing some money, a third of my time sitting on a couple boards, looking after investments, and then a third of my time on this philanthropic stuff. So I can pick my spots. Right. And sometimes you know, it just helps to have somebody looking over your shoulder on, you know, just do, do you have it in balance? Right. And, you know, I it, I wouldn't say that uh, we sit down and I ask her to, to review my calendar and am I right. doing it right? But just it's a good to have another yeah, yeah another voice and when we're going over stuff, it's she's very helpful. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it's interesting to me because you guys seem like the perfect couple and the perfect marriage because you, you know, you have just the same interests and it seems like even from your childhood, the things that you like to do. You, your kids like to do now uh-huh. and, yep. and how how was that you know I, mean, I don't know if it's just the millennial age of dating now but men just don't seem to know what they want 
in a partner. And even if they do, it's like very distracted by work and all of that. So it's interesting to me how you managed to, I guess, find this relationship that was so strong coming from like, you didn't really, I mean, for so long, your, your mom wasn't married and you didn't really have this like ideal base to go off of. So how did, how did you even? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one advantage I had is being close to so many of these guys I grew up with. You know, I got to really observe a number of marriages. Yeah. And in fact, there's two families in the book that I highlight the families that, uh, uh, and hey, nobody's family is perfect, but they were really dynamic, uh, really fun and outgoing, great siblings that held each other accountable. And, you know, I, I was sort of often, you know, the, the next of kin, yeah. you know, that, uh, uh, so I, I was really close to those families. In fact, one, uh, is my college buddy, the Millers and, uh, my, my friend Garrison, he died, Garrison Miller, uh, at 38 years old. So oh, really wow. tragically, uh, and, uh, just attended his mom's funeral at 93 and we remained close to her. Oh but, goodness. uh, so I, I, and she was, she was really a terrific woman all the way up until the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Uh, so, you know, I did get to observe these marriages and extract what was good and, uh, hopefully learn from what wasn't so good. So I think that was helpful in ways. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I think I I also say in the book that the single most important decision you'll make in your life is who you marry. And I absolutely believe that. And, uh, you know, hey, it's a lot more art than science, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, it's definitely that gut feeling. And, uh, but, you know, hey, it is a lot about are you having fun together? Yeah. And, you know, I think those common interests are important, but also you need some disparate interests too. And, right. You know, the definitely. other thing that I think is really important in a marriage is can you learn from your spouse? Mm-hmm. And, you know, equally, and uh, uh, that that's had a big role in our marriage that's amazing yeah yeah i definitely see you guys and it's like a goal <laughs> yeah oh, well you're great <laughs> so you, you caught us on good days <laughs> <laughs> seriously um so what is your hope for this book like what do you want it to i mean you've written the book yes it's it's not it, where can people even find yeah, it? Yeah, so it, uh, it, it is not published. we so got to get it published. That, that's something <laughs> I, I need to think about. Uh, but I think what I would like to do is, you know, to really be helpful to that 38-year-old uh, husband or wife who's lost their spouse, mm-hmm. who's faced with raising kids, and that, you know, it's not a hopeless situation. And, you know, whether that's through uh, the book being more widely distributed uh, or, you know, a TED Talk or podcasts, you know, with other people that have lost their parents. Because, you know, it's it's not something people talk a lot about or I don't think they dwell on, especially when they're 60 years old. But it is right below the surface. It's a part of your makeup and I think a fascinating part of your makeup and. Uh, that I think people enjoy talking about it. And I also uh, think it's just helpful. And, you know, it might be helpful for 
you know, traditional families that, yeah. uh, uh, you know, that aspirational effect. And th- there are a lot of incredible people that lost uh, their parents at, at, you know, young ages, uh, two that come to mind are Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. That yeah. it, uh, so it, it th- there's, there's interesting personalities. Out yeah, there. it's definitely interesting. I mean, my mom actually grew up with a single mother as well. Uh-huh. So she's, and she's such a strong parent figure that it's, it's so interesting, the dynamic, like come. And then my dad, who's had, had, grew up with both parents and their marriage was solid is very different in his parenting style. So it's really interesting how almost, I mean, maybe it's cause she's from New York. She's a little bit more, you know, street smart and street forward, but I don't know if it, if it has to do with just growing up faster in some ways, but it's very interesting. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Well, it was great. At, uh, uh, I l- listened to several of your <laughs> podcasts, and I think what it's so helpful to people and to know they can reach out, you know, yeah, that they're absolutely. not trapped. And uh, so I think we're trying to do similar things. Yeah, I think it's such a good way especially being that you, you know, you weren't exposed to like going to therapy and doing all of these things and even having this outlet growing up that you kind of just poured it all into a book that helps other people. So I think that's, that's incredible. Well, I think, yeah, that's a good thing. And Hey, the world's come a long way. I know in Philadelphia, there's uh, something called Peter's Place that is designed, you know, for kids. Mm-hmm. So they have an outlet, you know, with other kids yeah. that uh, ha- have lost parents at a, a young age. So, uh, you know, it, it's it. Hey, the the root of all evil is lack of communication. Right, and the absolutely. more you can talk and emote and see others, I, I just think that's a that that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm wondering if even you know, growing up. If you grew up without a parent in this day and age, it would almost be not harder, but it'd be definitely different because you it's such a social media driven thing. And, you know, everyone even posts when it's their parents' birthday or posts when it's Father's Day or Mother's Day. It's so yeah. different. And, and no one is outside as much. I feel like when you're growing up as a kid before the Internet and social media is such a big prominent thing in your face all the time that you really can just be a kid and still play outside be with your friends and kind of gain that independence without yeah yeah well you're right you know that uh social media that you know every every family is a model family Mm -hmm. you know that they are all in the the perfect picture on the beach while the sun's setting right exactly and so you're and as a result, you probably hold it to a higher standard than is necessary. So I, I think you you might be right. Yeah. That, uh, uh, but having said that, you know, it always feels like it's more difficult now yeah. than it was then. You Absolutely. Know, that it, uh, so uh, uh, and, you know, I think people are, are more conscious of the effect that that could have. And perhaps, uh, you know, it's just not uh, – Hey, grin and bear it. You'll get over it. Right. It's, let's work through these issues. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you could leave one piece of advice for all the listeners. Yes. Uh, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you, you know, one thing I think is interesting in life, if if you look back 
that it's interesting how the human mind thinks about the positive things that and, and not the negative things for the most part. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as a result that, uh, you know, I think of my mom being older and, uh, you know, when she gets in bed at night, I think she goes to bed very satisfied that she had two great marriages. She raised great kids. She's close to her stepchildren. She has lots of friends. Yeah. So there's, you know, a lot of positive things to dwell on. And, you know, sometimes when uh, we look at life and the challenges that we have right now, I just I really believe in the glass is half full and that having that optimistic viewpoint that things do work out the right way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I the one thing I do worry about in today's society, just with so many outlets for. Uh, emotions or therapy, that sort of thing mm-hmm. that I worry uh, some people get a little too caught up in the theory or yeah. uh, I guess theory is the right word or, you know, just sort of the academic approach to it all yeah. when, you know, I just think a little bit of faith and a little bit of a positive attitude right. can take you a long Like you way. have to put that theory into practice at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think it works. And I have one more question. Yes. What is one memory you have of your dad that, like, really stands out to you and uh, that you will never forget? Yeah, I would say, uh, well, a- actually, the last memory uh, – I was in fourth grade and played Pop Warner football, uh, tackle football. You wouldn't do that today in fourth grade. (laughs) And uh, he died in September, in early September. So, you know, I got my uniform. My mom made me put my football uniform on to go see him in the hospital. And, uh, you know, that I was kind of embarrassed in the elevator of the hospital in my uniform. But, uh, you know, that was hard going to see. But I do distinctly remember that. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much, Bob. This was great. I definitely want to have you back on when we'll see what else unfolds. I'm sure you're going to have to write an extension to this book at some point. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if I'm ready for that. But, no, I. I, A part two. uh, But, I and hey, with your inspiration, I want to get going on some podcasts and I think it would be interesting after I've, you know, talk to eight or 10 people, kind of hear their views, then maybe go back and write. I would love, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be fun to come back and tell you what I've learned. Yeah, I would love to hear it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Good. Thanks, Steph.